On today's episode, Alan and I will be focusing on coonhound night hunt rules, including scratching dogs for fighting, a deep dive into Rule 11, and a brief discussion on what coons can and cannot be scored. You'll want to stay tuned for this one. You're listening to the UKC Hunting Ops Podcast, celebrating hunting dog heritage, competition, and community. United Kennel Club has been the hunting dog sports home for coonhounds, beagles, retrievers, pointers, cur feist, and more for over 125 years. This podcast is fueled by Yukonuba, the official performance dog nutrition partner of UKC. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the UKC Hunting Ops Podcast. Uh, this is the Coonhound Program Manager at UKC, Trevor Wade, and I'm joined today by uh, Director of Hunting Ops, Alan Gingrich. Alan, how's it going today? Good. How are you doing? Yeah, good, good. Yeah, we're, we're kind of getting in the, the feel of this podcast stuff. We've done quite a few now. We've released quite a few and kind of enjoying it, to be honest with you. Yeah, we've had some fun ones. I've enjoyed doing all of them. They've been, we've had some different ones to cover. I've been involved in several different segments, Coonhounds with you, obviously, and then did some Beagle ones, several Beagle ones, did one with Dominic uh, on the uh, hunting retriever stuff last week as well. So, yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. Yeah. I know, uh, I know we've been getting a lot of positive feedback from it and that's the the driving force behind it. Obviously the main reason we're doing this is the to get information out there to everybody and and the feedback after the episodes air is is my favorite part of it you know i always welcome to feedback and and hearing people you know some different things to touch and and we're going to talk about rules today mainly and a few of them are ones that people really wanted us to get out there and i think that it's important obviously to spread information best we can about our rules for yeah sure. i would mention a little bit you know rules we're talking about rules and i love talking about rules i think you do as well and uh you know but doing it in this form uh, we don't uh, have something we can just go back. Like when you write something, you go back and proof it. But I know I've already caught myself listening to a couple of our rules podcasts. One was a beagle one I did and misspoke a little bit, you know, and people pick up on that too. So, uh, obviously, uh, it just didn't come out the way I meant it to, or, and didn't yeah. even think about it when they said it, you know, so sometimes you, uh, hopefully people will consider that a little bit and sometimes yeah. when we go back and listen to it it's like oh god i didn't say that quite right you know but uh, we we uh, we try to get it right best we possibly can kind of important to notate i guess that this isn't the end all be all for rules of course that's need correct. to stay stay studied up on the rule books and uh, both of in any of our uh, events that you participate in whether it's coot hounds or beagles there's columns out there mm -hmm. in the publications and we publish those online as well for people to read like the coonhound advisor column that's been going for many years now that's just an extension of the rule book so it's important to also stay up on that whenever you have opportunity to read it just a article a month for sure yeah so uh, just real quick just got back from uh, youth nationals recently i was there at the end of july and boy that's always a blast medina um, ohio medina ohio first time it's been there since 2005 uh, it was there in 04 and 05 first time it's been back and uh, that club did an awesome job larry hawk and the medina club uh, Rudy Reinhold and the Nova Club, they did a good job of getting the kids in the woods. And it's a beautiful, beautiful uh, setting of the yeah. clubhouse there. Yeah. Beautiful pond and an old building. Said they bought that that piece of property. It's 52 acres. They bought it back in the late 40s for $2,000. Really? Yeah. Can't imagine what that would go for now. But yeah. I'd say they could get their return on investment pretty good. It's always cool to hear the stories of some of those old clubs like that. Yeah especially those that have land and have really gathered assets and put themselves in a good position. Uh, just real quick about Youth Nationals, while we were there, 
had a couple instances where the podcast came up and it was kind of funny on the Saturday night. I just got done interviewing our senior division hunt national champion, Joel and Beachy and Joe Yoder is the owner of the dog. I come in and we're kind of discussing uh, how we're going to uh, put out this interview with Jolin. And uh, he tells me that he had first listened to or heard about youth nationals on this very podcast. So that was, that was pretty neat. Joel yeah. didn't mention it in our interview, but I thought that was pretty, pretty neat. It makes it kind of worthwhile that we're doing it. Yeah. Heck yeah. And then uh, uh, just a couple of days ago, I uh, fielded a call from Leslie Brooks over in, in uh, Virginia, Virginia. Yeah. And her daughter, Jordan, they had me on speakerphone in the car cause they were having a little bit of a debate on how the spotlight series points worked. And Jordan must be a loyal listener because we talk about her pretty often, her and her brother Jacob. But uh, sounds like she won the debate once I cleared up some of the Spotlight Series uh, particulars. So I thought that was pretty fun. And she got her information from here. Straight from the, the podcast. podcast. Cool. Yep. That is awesome. You know, speaking of that, I did a Master Hounds for a club here locally. For, it was RQE here several weeks ago. Yeah. And they were talking about, one guy that was there was talking about they had a uh, uh, youth hunt or a yep event. And for part of the uh, class, they actually played one of our podcasts. We were talking mm-hmm. about a couple different rules. Well, that's cool. So, hey, no, we got to make sure. No Trevor, pressure. Yeah, no pressure, <laughs> Trevor. You got to make sure you get it right. Yeah. <laughs> no, but yeah. that's all good stuff. It is. Yeah. And it kind of makes it worthwhile to hear people listening and that, and especially the younger folks, give them something to listen to and maybe learn something. For sure. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. So we're getting here into the the middle to later parts of summer with the fall schedule creeping up on us. Been doing any hunting lately? You, not really. I hate to say it, but I haven't. You know, here a while back we talked about, you know, I wanted to running season open up here in Michigan. I wanted to get up north and do a little hare hunting, get the dogs going, started again. And I still haven't. Here at the time of this recording, it's almost a month later now, and I still haven't made it up there. But uh, I know you've been staying busy with obviously yeah. traveling for events and doing some auctioneering stuff on the side. So yeah, you've been, you bit. have a lot on your plate, I know. Yes. Yeah. I've uh, been getting the coon dogs out pretty regularly. We've been hunting at least uh, three or four nights a week so far. We've had really good weather here this summer, yeah. in this later part of the summer, but we need some rain bad. Yeah. It's dry. Yeah, it is. But uh, yeah, I see you've been uh, you've been hunting a little bit. We, we've been doing pretty good. You know, I've taken Brindley out and your wife's been hunting is. with you a little bit. I was going to say, I used to, uh, this time of year was always the fine tuning part of the year, right? You're getting ready for broad oaks in the world championship and trying to get your dogs ready uh, for those events. But now whenever I'm out there hunting alone, I'm trying to get it ready for Brindley. So I don't get critiqued so bad if the yeah. dogs don't look very good. Brindley is your daughter. How old is she now? She just turned four in January. So, so she can she, probably get around the woods pretty good. She no? can do yeah. pretty good. Yeah. She's, she's a little lazier this time of year when it's a little warmer. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> she's still got short legs. I'll give her a break. But yeah. It kind of, uh, took out the, the pup the other night when she came with me and probably should have brought the more seasoned dog, but he got stuck over, cut him loose in a big, uh, hardwood Creek bottom. Uh, always tree a lot of coons there and of course he goes left-handed from there and gets over into a, like kind of a cut over uh briar thicket kind of spot and uh he kind of gets uh wound down in there and he's stuck in there for i don't know 20 minutes and i'm a little frustrated at the tailgate like i wish he would get out of there and she said yeah. dad you may have should have brought hank on this one he wouldn't annoy you so bad yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey kids are usually pretty honest they, <laughs> they, they, they pretty are honest. Yeah, that's how my little nephews used to be. Paul's boys, you know, they used to go hunting with us when they were, you know, five and six years old. And I can tell you, they knew which ones were the good dogs and which <laughs> ones they didn't. You know, they had yeah. their choice. They knew which ones to pick. That's know. right. <laughs> yeah. Well, today's episode, like we talked about, we're going to be talking about rules quite a bit. We've talked a lot, a lot about programs. We've talked a lot about specific dogs in the past few coonhound episodes we did. So 
we're going to get back to rules. Uh, we got a lot of rules to go through, you know, in the, in the course of this uh, podcast. So I think it's good to start cutting off some of the uh, uh, meat here on the bone and uh, getting to some important rules that we get talked about a lot in our in our sport. And the first one's going to be one that I actually got an email uh, from back after some of our top pack, uh, first podcasts uh, from a guy in Illinois that I know um, talking about he would like to hear us talk about the scratch for fighting rule and the ins and outs of that. So that's going to be the first rule that we cover today. Uh, so getting it started off here, I'm just going to read the rule straight from the rule book. This is rule 6B under the scratched, uh, uh, scratch column. Uh, dogs will be scratched for fighting or attempting to fight when off leash during the hunt, including any timeout periods. When the aggressive dog is known, scratch the aggressor only. If not known, scratch dogs involved. Withdrawing to avoid dog being reported for fighting is not permitted. Um, so this rule is, uh, you know, it's got a couple of key parts to it. And I think we're going to break it down here kind of uh, part by part and get uh, to the nitty gritty of it. But first, uh, just the, the first thing that stands out, uh, fighting or attempting to fight. Obviously, fighting is pretty self-explanatory. Everybody knows if a dog's in a fight, uh, you know what's happening there. But attempting to fight is something that we define in our rule book uh, towards the end in rule 16, uh, where it tells the definitions. And uh, attempting to fight requires two things, showing aggressive behavior and interfering with another dog. Um, do you want to go I, into that a little bit? Yeah, that's the one that I think that gets the most uh, uh, questions, that we get the most questions on, you know, what that is exactly. And and probably the one that is, uh, uh, hey, let's just get, let's just dig into what it is. Uh, you know, like you said, uh, attempt, we're talking about attempting to fight, where a dog can be scratched for that. You know, this is something less than fighting but attempting to fight. So uh, the dog must have, must show two different things or meet two criteria. Number one, it must show aggressive behavior. Aggressive behavior can come in, in various different ways. It can be growling at another dog. It can be, uh, have, you know, uh, face barking, face barking. Kind of blowing at a dog, as people would say. Exactly. All hackled up maybe yeah. and just standing there growling or whatever. Uh, so that's one thing, showing some form of aggression. Number two, uh, it must also be interfering with another dog because of its aggressive behavior that it's showing. So that part of it is, you know, uh, honestly, because of that, there may be some dogs that uh, won't be, it won't interfere with, you know, whereas he might be doing, this dog might be doing the same form of aggression to a different dog that might react differently. Sure. So it really play, it really uh, has a bearing on how that dog reacts to this aggressive behavior you know so um that's what you need to look at yeah yep and it's important for everybody to know that it has to meet both of those criteria yeah you know so let's what are some examples of that maybe as far as interfering with another dog i think it's important do we can do you have some examples that we can give or i can come up with a couple you know one might be uh where a dog is you know a dog sits back uh sits back off the tree a little bit you know because of this dog maybe is is a little bit aggressive or what have you. So let's say this, let's use that example. Let's say this dog on the tree that is the one we're concerned about, let's call him dog A, mm -hmm. uh, turns around and uh, maybe kind of face barks at dog B who's over here or maybe beside him on the tree. Let's just do, you know, that way. Face barks at this dog uh, and growls at him a little bit, okay? Dog B is, doesn't bother him a lick, just keeps on tree and doesn't bother him a lick, okay? 
that is not interfering with dog B. Right. He might be face barking a little bit or might be even be growling a little bit at him, but it's dog B is not bothered by it. Right. It's so not the, interfering with his so ability the, to, to exactly, compete in the cast exactly, and tree in this case. Exactly. Yeah. So, but let's say he comes, uh, let's change it slightly, but uh, make it uh, say it's dog C, uh, where dog A comes around and goes after dog C, you know, maybe uh, growls at him or, or face barks at him, goes after him. And boom, there goes dog C off the tree. Uh, you know, that now that would be considered his interfering with dog yeah. C. That you dog know, no so, longer has the ability to compete yeah, the way he you know, reacted. Although to he it. might not have actually physically grabbed the dog, he's showing aggression, you know, through his face barking or growling at him, and he's ran him off the tree. Yep. That is attempting to fight. Yep. You know, so it really depends on how that second dog reacts to it, I guess, sometimes. Um, but you know, so, uh, you know, de defining fighting to begin with is, you know, that's one thing at phys really fighting. And if you, um, you need to use reasonable, be reasonable about it, use common sense, you know, and I think, um, it's a serious offense. Uh, and it's also a serious deal to be scratched for fighting, yep. you know, so you want to make sure you make the right call. And I think, um, uh, and not just every little off bark you hear. Oh, the dogs are fighting. Uh, we got to. We need to be more reasonable than that. Right. You know? That's true. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, absolutely. So uh, kind of the next sentence there. When off leash during the hunt, uh, the, the the addition of off leash during the in this rule came in the 2020 rule change year. Um, were you you, uh, you had those rule proposals sent in? Do you remember anything about the intent of that rule at all? Yeah, it was basically the the old rule used to say that dogs could be scratched for fighting under the authority of the judge. So what is under the authority of the judge, or when is that? Rule book tells us that the uh, the judge, when he receives a scorecard at the club, uh, that's when his authority starts, and it ceases when he turns a scorecard in to right. the club. So that technically meant under the authority of the judge meant that dogs could get scratched for fighting in a dog box and things like that yep. on the way to the woods or between drops and things like that. So this off-leash proposal that is now a rule uh, that was added in the 20 in 2020, uh, they can dogs can only be scratched now during the hunt. And while they are off leash, yep. it's that simple, yep. not in a dog box somewhere on the way to the woods or between drops and things of that nature. Right. Uh, with, with it and the wording of the rule kind of comes some, uh, I think some misconceptions about it. This is a rule that's on our master hounds tests and we've both looked at graded quite a few of them. It's one that gets missed quite a bit. And I'll just tell you the scenario right now and we'll kind of go over the ins and outs of it. So, uh, basically, the scenario is basically boiled down to this. Uh, dog A is treed. You're at, the cast is at the tree. Dog A is handled on his leash. He's tied back on the tree. Uh, while the cast is shining the tree, dog B comes by the cast, comes into dog A, where dog A grabs a hold of dog B. He's obviously the aggressor. What do you do with dog A in that scenario? And it's one that gets missed uh, probably more than half the time if you look if you were to look at the test. But in, in that case, dog A is protected because of the wording in this rule, and he is on the leash, so he's not held liable for his actions uh, in fighting with dog B in that case. That's right. You know, he is he's on leash. Even yeah. though he's in a scoring situation where he's tied back, you know, to, uh, to score a tree, uh, he's still protected by that because he is on leash. Whether he's tied up or he's got the leash on him, he's handled, so he's considered to be on leash and cannot be scratched for fighting during that time. You know, sometimes it happens when – uh, guys, you always have to tie dogs back at the tree when you're scoring a tree. And 
uh, good handlers or, or the the more experienced handlers will, will pretty quickly learn to always keep your dog away from other dogs right. that they can't reach other dogs as you never know. You know, it's uh, strange dogs together when they're maybe normally don't have any temperament issues. You, you, you know, little scuffles can break out and just to keep them away. And that would happen sometimes, you know, and then next thing you have uh, an issue on your hand. But now uh, that you can't scratch them. If they're on the lead strap, cannot scratch them. And this is probably a good place to say, you know, we don't all have to agree with the rules in the rule book. There'll be a lot of people out here that don't agree with this rule. Mm -hmm. Maybe we don't like this particular part of the rule, but it's a uh, UKC's job. It's the event official job. It's the judge's job to uh, apply the rules that are in the rule book the way they are and uh, to call the, get the calls right in the woods. That's right. And I like this new edition really because it's, you know, sometimes, uh, and, and the reason, the intent of the whole reason is obviously we, we, uh, uh, temperament issues are, uh, you know, most people believe them to be genetic, you know, and that's kind of a genetic fault or what have you. And, and it's not something you want to pass on, you know, it's a temperament issue or what have you. And that's why we have this rule in place here. But uh, so for other situations like uh, just, for instance, something as simple as, a, as, as dogs fighting in a dog box, you know, uh, and that does happen sometimes. But that can happen be, even with a dog that isn't doesn't isn't, isn't temperamental. Right. Keep in mind, you know, oftentimes I'm sure you do the same thing, you know, when you're uh, hunting one dog a lot, especially if you're getting ready for the night hunts and things like that, they're used to having their own hole in the box in the back and this and that. And oftentimes you're hunting them by themselves or maybe with uh, other dogs they're familiar with, go to a night hunt and bring in a strange dog, put them in with this dog. Uh, guess what? It's a, you know, yeah, things happen sometimes, doesn't yeah. so... I think this is a great rule. And I agree. I think that this rule implementation uh, does more than the fluky instances where it doesn't yeah, do good. Yeah, for sure. All right. Uh, the, the next point to, to point out is a lot, a lot of misconception we get in calls in is that you don't have to see a dog fight to make the call and to scratch dogs. Uh, that was a proposal before, but it, it never passed. And right now, the way it is, uh, you don't have to see a dog fight in order to to scratch the dogs involved. Uh, it's a it's a call that's made by the judge. Um obviously most people that hunt at all are going to know when a dog fight's happening. Um, it's a judgment call. Yeah. And, and it is. And I think again, there you use common sense and, ex and experience, I think, and you lean on your experience. And I, I think, uh, you know, I just feel like there's, when we make those calls, we need to be considerate of that. Not just because you have a little off bark or a couple off barks or whatever. I think there's a big difference between that and a, and an actual dog fight, you know, and, and there again, and it's, uh, it's, those are judgment calls, you know, but I think, uh, you know, like I said, mentioned uh, the scratch or dogs fighting is a serious offense. Scratching dogs for fighting is also a serious offense. And it's not something we should just take lightly. You know, before, if, if I'm judging the cast, you know, I need to make sure that I have an actual dog fight for sure before I go scratching dogs for fighting. It should go well beyond uh, just a way, another avenue to eliminate competition should never, ever be that. If, if, if you're making those calls, wow, no, you know, should not, should not be, uh, should not be doing that. You know, that's nothing to consider there. Yeah. Like you said, it has serious implications more so than just this cast when you're talking about a dog possibly getting barred for an amount of time for sure for fights sure for fights and uh, sure. if especially if you don't see it happening if you're if you're a ways off 
err on the side of caution. One hundred percent. I would always it's not agree uncommon with that. for dogs to be blowing or something if they're you know it's not a great thing, but it's not uncommon and yeah. need to err on the side of caution, get in there and figure out what's going on. Yeah, absolutely agree with that. Um, and also kind of going hand in hand with that is if, if you know, the, if the aggressor is known, then you're going to scratch the aggressor. Uh, if you don't know the aggressor, unfortunately you got a dog fight, you're going to have to scratch all dogs involved in that fight. Yeah. And oftentimes you'll have situations if you have an obvious dog fight, you know, before you get to the tree, you don't see it. You got to make the call, uh, you know, if, if, if you have an obvious fight, but in that case, if you don't see it, it's going to be hard for you to determine who the aggressor was. That's right. You can't just go by because the dog growled a little bit when it came out of the dog box or whatever. All that means is the dog growled a little bit when you brought him out of the dog box. Yeah. You know, you don't know how the other one reacted to that or you don't, you really don't know, you know, but, uh, so without seeing it, it's going to be, I would, we would always caution yeah. that you determine an aggressor without seeing who the aggressor actually was. Is it ever an option to just go ahead and put break the two dogs up and throw them back on the tree and figure out who the aggressive hey, one is? Hey, I'm glad you <laughs> I'm glad you bring that up because that does come up. And I've actually seen it happen on a night hunt where, uh, where the judge didn't know and it's like, okay, we've got these two dogs are fighting. I want to figure out who the aggressor was. Yeah. And that is no good. Right. All you're doing is finding out who is now going to get the who's going to go after the next or the other one first. Yep. It does it <laughs> you got to deal with what you had, not what you're about to make happen here. Yeah. You've actually told me about that before we started recording. That's why I brought that up. I'd yeah. never heard of that before, but interesting yeah. way to try to figure it out. Yeah, I I've actually seen it, and I thought, wow. <laughs> we uh, had we had another dog fight. I remember that one that you're talking that I was referring to. Yeah. We, we had ended up with another dog fight, but it's like, okay, doesn't mean anything. These dogs were, you know, they're already yeah. amped up at that time, right? Aren't they? Right. So, and kind of the last part of the rule there, the last sentence, under no circumstances can a dog be withdrawn to avoid being scratched for fighting. Um, obviously, we talked about it a little bit. It's uh, Being scratched for fighting is a big time deal, and you're not going to be able to get out of it just by being withdrawn. You're going to have to take your scratching uh, and, as it comes. And i just tell you a little bit about our scratch for fighting rules. A dog is allowed to be uh, scratched for fighting two times in a two-year period. Once it has that third time in a two-year period, that's whenever that dog is going to be barred from participating in UKC events for two years uh, from the date of the third scratching offense. Yeah, that's right. And if we can back up just a little bit as far as, uh, you know, uh, you can't withdraw to avoid being scratched for fighting. Yep. And I know that happens sometimes. Judges should not allow that to happen. If, if they are, they're violating the rule. And that's just a matter of, you know, let's say you have a dog fight. Um, an obvious dog fight, and, and I say, hey, judge, let me just withdraw my dog, and mm -hmm. we'll leave it at that. No, that is not an option. You know, uh, now, if there's, if you might have had a little scuffle or somebody mentions it or whatever, that's a little different than, you know, uh, uh, you know, if, if there's a call to be made here, uh, then you can't, that's not an option. Yeah. You know, but, uh, uh, you know, and I've seen it already where guys have withdrawn dogs because of what was going on where a call was not made, you know, but did withdraw, just don't want any issues to happen. That's not the same what we're talking about here, but you cannot withdraw is not an option or an alternative to being wrote up. Yeah. And it's probably a good, a good time to mention to any judges out there that if you were to scratch a dog, especially for fighting, be sure to indicate it on the card. And if you're an event official, make sure if there's a scratch on there and you don't know what the scratch is for, talk with the judges and the members of the cast and figure out what the scratch is for that way yep. that the dogs get the penalties that they exactly. Exactly. It kind of goes with, you know, uh, always try to encourage guys, you know, when the, when a dog is scratched, 
write down what for. Yeah. Is it scratch for fighting? Is it scratch for something else? You know, and the, the, the officials need to know what the dog was scratched for. Yeah. And especially in an event like, let's say, Tournament of Champions, for instance, where dogs scratch for, I don't know, tree and off game or minus and out on Friday night are still eligible to hunt on Saturday night. But if they get scratched for fighting on, on Friday night, they're done for the weekend. Yeah. So it's yeah. important yeah. Uh, important to indicate that yeah. on the scorecard. Yeah. Uh, so the, these scratches that you accrue over the dog's lifetime, uh, they can happen in night hunt, field trial, water race, bench show, any UKC licensed coonhound event. And uh, we get a lot of calls asking about when scratching offenses come off of a dog's record. Um, obviously, the record, the, the scratching offense will remain on the dog's record, but after that two-year period, it's going to fall off the dog's record. It won't be won't be considered anymore as far as barring the dog goes. Yeah, it doesn't technically fall off the record. It stays on, it remains on the dog's record forever. Uh, it's just, uh, you know, after two years, um, uh, if you don't have three within the two years, then it just doesn't count against the dog anymore. Yeah. It doesn't actually come off the dog's record. And one one thing to kind of tie up the end of this uh, here is we, we had a pretty good uh, question a couple months back that I actually had to talk to you about a little bit. And we ended up running it in the advisor column. And I kind of went back for reference on it to write this article about a dog that had been withdrawn from the hunt uh, in the middle of the hunt still. And there's a dog in their tree. They're heading to the tree. And this guy's still trying to to round up his withdrawn dog. He feels like he's out of it. But his withdrawn dog gets in there with the dog that's treating at the time. And a dog fight happens. And he was kind of wondering what should what should happen to the withdrawn dog. He's withdrawn or should he get a strike record on there? And and during the hunt, before that dog's handled or on leash, that dog's still liable for scratching. That's exactly right. If it's still during hunt time. And that's different, uh, you know, than uh, uh, versus after the hunt time has expired. Yep. Totally different. During hunt time. If they're off leash, off leash, they're still subjected or subjected to this uh, fighting rule. Even during timeout periods, during the hunt too, is important. Exactly, so exactly. Until the hunt time runs out, your dog's liable to be scratched. Until you get it on the leash, I'll be sure to get it handled. Yeah, but then when hunt time has expired, at that point, can't scratch a dog for fighting anymore. This podcast is brought to you by the all-new Dogtra Pathfinder Two, Dogtra, the official GPS collar partner of UKC. Yeah, so we've kind of uh, covered scratched and scratch for fighting in depth. There, you got any good stories? Hey, well, you yeah. know what, it is a ser- we talk about it. it. It is a serious offense, it and is. it is, you know. But I, I do have a little f- kind of a funny little story. So there was a, a there was a, a young young dog I was hunting years ago. He was only like ten months old, and uh, it was at an RQE out of our club. And I had to guide, so I hunted this pup for a friend of mine, and he was a nice little dog. I thought he wasn't probably wasn't quite ready for an RQE yet. Uh, but, uh, little Earl and, uh, and he was a nice little, he was a nice little dog, but I drew a three dog cast and we made a tree. I want to say at least two of the, this pup and another dog, maybe all three of them treated together on the first one. This was years ago. I say years ago, 20 years ago. Uh, but the second, uh, we turned recut again and he kind of got in a swampy area off to his right. He struck over there and he trees. I got the first tree. The other dogs are kind of out. Uh, beaten on a bad track elsewhere and he trees over there and they these other two dogs go to him and he was kind of on some little pad stuff kind of a swampy area there's water around there and he kind of had to jump from pad to pad you know to get to him and uh long story short uh before we get there uh, all three dogs are there with him two older dogs and they break out in a fight 
And I know it's the two older dogs because I can still hear my pup tree in every now and then, but he's shutting up. We get there, and I'm I'm from him to or from uh, you to uh, uh, you to me yeah. from him, yeah. and he is he's he's stopped and he's looking down in the water. These two dogs are going at it in the water, Just splashing around, splashing around yeah. in there, you know. And they're pretty much kind of under you know underwater and this and that, splashing yeah. around. He's looking at him before I can get my hands on him. This little sucker dives right in on top of those two dogs. <laughs> I was like, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Yeah. You know, and I really thought, uh, I really thought he probably thought they were fighting a coon down there. Yeah. You know, because he was not a temperamental dog at all, but it was. Just a youngster. A, a youngster, but it was funny to see. He kind of had to be there to watch, but yeah. he's just looking at him until we get up there and he just dives right down there on top of him <laughs> in the middle of these two grown dogs. The jumps one, right in there and I'm like, are you kidding me? Didn't want to miss out on the fun, <laughs> did he? <laughs> so there's a time when I was judging the cast and I thought, okay, well, I guess we were all scratched for fighting. Uh, all three of them. Short <laughs> night for it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, that's good I'll stuff. never forget that. That was a that was a little Earl, man. Poor little guy. As far as I know, I'll have to look, but I'd say that's probably the only scratch on his record, but that's that was the night. <laughs> <laughs> uh, speaking of deep dive, yeah. I guess our, our next, it's a good segue into our next segment. We're going to be talking about Rule 11, deep diving into this rule. And we've kind of foreshadowed Rule 11 a little bit because it's kind of one that gets overlooked. It's tucked towards the back of the rules, but man, it, there's a lot there to unpack. And we're going to go through them one by one, and we're going to talk, we're going to talk about each one a little bit, um, maybe not in as much depth as we may in a later episode, but a good overview here, I think. Uh, so the first one, Rule 11A, is, uh, pertains to prior to arriving at tree. And so we're just going to kind of go through them uh, sentence by sentence here, and we'll uh, we'll talk about each one a little bit, and and uh, yeah, you know, there's some stuff. Yeah, there's you know, this Rule 11 there's has four different uh, four different sections. You know, it has uh, four or 11A talks about prior to arriving at the tree 11b is after arriving at tree 11c is talks about split trees and then uh the newer one that we added this last time around for 2020 was we added section d 11d and that's all about recasting so it's before uh after you get to the tree uh it talks about split trees and then what you do after scoring yeah yeah, so there's there's a lot to unpack here. So I think some people are really going to learn some stuff. And if nothing else, whenever you're judging a cast, you'll kind of know where to refer to or if you're uh, competing in a cast, where to refer to if you need to find a certain rule. Yeah. So just getting right to it, uh, A, prior to arriving at tree, first sentence, scorecards to be carried by judge or non-hunting scorekeeper if all cast members agree and must be scored in plain view of all. Yeah, that's pretty uh, straightforward, you know, and that must be scored in plain view of all. should never be any secrets who got what, you know, and if you have any questions about it, why should, I should be able to see the card at any time. Yep. You know. Yep. Uh, B, dogs must hold the tree for three minutes unless all dogs in cast are declared treed, on leash, or hunting time has expired. If one dog in cast or one dog remaining in cast, dog must hold tree for three minutes. Yeah, again, I think that's pretty straightforward. You know, if you have, uh, if all dogs tree together uh, and they all do it within in the first uh, 20 seconds, guess what? You yep. know, the tree's closed at that point. Yep. You know, otherwise the dog must hold tree for three minutes, you know, unless, until they're all, until they're all declared treed. And they could be on split trees. You could have, you know, a dog A uh, uh, called treed and then just boom, boom, boom. The rest of them tree somewhere else. If the three minutes isn't up, if all dogs in your cast, whether that's uh, uh, two, three, or four dogs, as soon as they're all uh, declared treed, you no longer have to wait 
out the three minutes. You That's right. Trees closed. All the trees would be closed. Yeah. And there could probably be some tricky situations, I guess, when you come up to it. Like maybe, let's say, two dog cast, A and B are split tree. Or you, so let's just say A's tree. You get in there, score A, you got him on the leash. He declared uh, dog B tree. Trees closed. Trees closed, yep. Before you cut A yep. loose even. Yep. So then, uh, you know, some some different technicalities like that. But yep. I think if you really read the rule, it's pretty straightforward in explaining yep. that. Hey, one other scenario here that let's throw in here. Let's say we have two dogs, dogs A and B. Dog A trees start the start the three minutes on dog A. Dog B trees and is obviously split. Let's say just over here off to the side. We're yeah. close. We're off to the side. Obviously it's split. Uh, you start a second three-minute clock on this dog. Uh, let's say those are the only two dogs in the cast, just yeah. for to make it uh, simple here. Uh, and we barely, even, let's say 30 seconds later, into the three minutes here, uh, we've got all dogs declared treed. But let's say dog B leaves its tree and comes over to dog A. Yeah. Just because the three wasn't up, trees were still closed. Yeah. As soon as the second you, that dog was declared treed. Exactly. They're closed. Even if the three minutes hadn't went by, and yeah. you know, there's no room for dog uh, B on A's tree in terms of getting in on the three minute yeah. rule, anyways. So trees closed. There's some technique. I mean, yeah. You know, there's there's some situations which we may get to in later episodes yeah. when we go more in depth. But I think uh, any situation you have in the in the in the woods, if you refer to this rule, read the sentences clearly, you're going to get your answer. Yeah, but then at the the last sentence, and if there's only one dog in the cast remaining, that dog must always hold the tree for three minutes, even though it's. Uh, even though all dogs technically are considered treated. Right. That's not the must hold it if it's the only dog in the cast. Yeah. Here, the next sentence here is, is one that we get uh, a lot of questions on and I think is uh, probably misapplied quite often. And it says dogs declared treed within hunting time are eligible for scoring. Yeah. And that's, I like that rule. That's a good one. You know, so if you have to call time out for any reason or it, it, just before hunt time breaks out, uh, you know, any dog that was declared treed will you, you got to score them. That's right. They're eligible for scoring, and you got to score them. Yeah. And I think most people do it right at the end of the hunt and for people treating their dog before the hunt's over, but I think it's during timeouts where they get caught up on deleting their tree points. That's incorrect. If the dog is treed before the timeout's called, that dog's still accredited for his tree. you got to go get it scored. Yep. If you and Todd and I are hunting in the same cast, you've got uh, you've got old Hank treed in there, and uh, Todd and I decide, hey, we need to call timeout just because we have a majority here to call timeout for whatever reason. Um, we're, we're not taking, we can't take anything away from it. We still got to score your dog. Uh, moving on to the, and then, Hey, one more thing with yeah. that comes. So we've called time out here, let's say, and we go into your dog hunt time comes back in when we start shining. That's correct. When yep. we're scoring that dog. That is absolutely correct. And I believe that we're probably going to see that in the, after arriving at tree here in a minute, but you're spot on with that. Uh, and then the, we're going to uh, finish out this uh, a section here with the last couple sentences if at all possible, be at the tree within three minutes. If handlers are so far from tree that it will take more than three minutes to get to tree, they are to start walking toward tree, but stopping periodically to let other handlers see if their dog is treeing. Judges not to let any handler keep holding them away from tree just to let dog get to tree after three minutes are up. Yeah, so two different things that covers there in, in uh, D right there. Uh, one of them is, uh, the first one is, you know, you should try to be at the tree within three minutes if you can, if you're that far away. And I've seen it, I've mm -hmm. had it happen before, and it gets a little frustrating when you have your judges saying, no, we're staying, staying right here until the three is up. That is not what the rule says. Rule says to try to be there, you know, and they should stop along the way to let somebody else listen for their dog if, if they need to. Uh, the last part is that the judge is not to let any handler keep holding them away from the tree 
just to let dog get to the tree after three minutes are up. You know, once yeah. the three's up, we should be going, we should be going to him, you know, so. Yeah. Yeah, that's, and, and this is another one that could be a little regional, you know, up here, northern Indiana, northern Ohio, uh, probably trees are going to be closer together. You have a chance to be there in three minutes. Less West Virginia, you're probably not going to make yeah. it to any tree in three minutes. If Good a person point. declares their dog treed, what this rule is saying is to start heading towards the tree. Cut yep. the distance. Yep. Uh, stop periodically if other people want to listen for their dogs. But start putting a dent in it. Yep. Don't stand in one spot and wait for those three minutes and then start going. Again, everybody should be reasonable. Judge should be reasonable about it, and so should the handlers asking to stop. Yep. Yeah, moving on to uh, the next section. Uh, arri after arriving at tree. These are for instances that occur after arriving at the tree. Uh, first thing, hey, real simple. After three minutes, first dog's tree may be scored. Got to wait for the hunt for the tree time to be over. Yep. Score the tree. B. So in other words, oh, if you ahead. have a dog split, let's say you have A, B, and C here, dog A trees first or whatever, that's the first one you're going to score. You know, Just because B's tree is also closed and you get to B's tree first or you walk by it doesn't mean you score B first. You got to, uh, uh, first dog's trees yeah, got to be scored that's first. That's important. Got to mm -hmm. do them in order by when they tree, right? And the reason obviously for that is to be fair because that dog treed first. It also is going to have the option to be cut loose or recast yeah. first again. This next one here is one that you'll, uh, you, if you go to a lot of events, you'll hear all kinds of different scenarios pop up about this one. And I'm glad that we're able to kind of squash some of the misconceptions out there and, and give our official interpretation. But it says here, dog should not be minus tree points if he comes back a short distance to meet handler if dog goes back in and trees satisfactorily. Yeah, and that is a good one for us to spend a little bit of time with here. And we hear all kinds of things we've heard of, well, so long as the dog is under the umbrella of the tree. Or, you know, the dog can't, that's fine if the dog comes back so long as he, heaven forbid, he puts his nose on the ground right. just even for a little bit. Yep. So let's stop with that right there for a second. The rule says nothing about the dog putting his nose on the ground or it says nothing about under the umbrella of the tree. Obviously, the dog must be showing tree to the satisfaction of the judge. Uh, but it, the rules do allow for the dog to come back and meet his handler so long as it goes back in and trees satisfactorily. Yep. So if a dog comes back out, if I'm judging, I should not allow that dog to be handled that when he's coming back to you. I just I just need to watch that dog, make sure the handler doesn't handle him. Uh, and, and if he, and if the handler does, that probably means I'm not doing my job either to stop it before he does. All I need to see is just make sure he goes back and trees satisfactorily. If he doesn't, then I can, then I'm going to minus the dog for not doing that. But until he does that, the next is, you know, putting his nose on the ground. Okay. I think, uh, dogs traveling from point A to point B, their scent hounds, uh, you know, what dog doesn't natural instinct, a natural instinct sometimes. Now there's a big difference between that. And here again is, is just common sense yeah. and using a sound judgment is what is the dog doing? If he puts yeah. his head down, is he, is he really milling around or trying to find a track or is he just got his nose down on the way back to the tree? And if you can't, uh, if you can't, uh, if the dog can't tell you which one of those he's doing, then, um, uh, uh, a little more experience is probably needed, but I don't think that's that difficult. Yeah. Kind you of know. one that you hear at any, any hunt you go to in a judge's meeting before the cast starts, even world championships, automobile final fours, you know, TOC final fours, you'll hear them say to the judge, and my dog may meet me off the tree a little bit. Yeah. I think they're protecting themselves. They've probably been 
bit by this rule before, but yeah. I think, uh, like you said, common sense goes a long way right here. It does two things. And I think we need to be miserable or, or reasonable about it. And the other thing is, again, don't use it for a way to get a dog minus or out of the cast yeah. or get, uh, issuing them minus points too quickly. You know, Hey, if the dog is milling around or is in fact looking for a track instead of basically showing treed, uh, then, then yeah, you know, the rule is there. The dog should in fact be minus absolutely, you know, but just because it's, the dog puts his head down doesn't necessarily constitute an automatic uh, minus right. at all, you know. And I think again, just a good common sense. Yep. Uh, next one's really straightforward, but it's in the rule book: dogs at tree must be leashed. Mm -hmm. um, easy, easy. Uh, next uh, sentence says: eight minutes of hunting time may be used to shine trees. Another easy one that we know yep. that's our shine time. Um, it is important to note, like you said earlier, even during situations where you're tree. Uh, Scoring a dog during a timeout period, you still got to run the eight minutes of shine, or you got to run shine time. Still got to take it off the hunt time. And uh, the last sentence of that uh, part says, individual holding first tree shall be granted first two minutes to shine alone if requested. Yeah, and the the judge should always make sure that happens, that the whoever had the handler that had whose dog had the first tree, that he gets uh, granted that opportunity. You know, that should be clear before you go in, you know. And, and, and part of the reason is, is hey uh, those that have hunted for a while all uh, and especially in the summertime when there's a lot of leaves on uh you they want to shine the tree with a with a light light you know and and give that guy the courtesy to do so for the first two minutes and uh, not have everybody lighting up the trees and things like that you know so uh so yeah they are they are they should be granted that first two minutes and the judge should make allow that to happen if that's what they want Good th good thing about the the squall with the squall rule kind of being out as soon as shine time starts that first that guy mm -hmm. has that first two minutes he can maneuver around with his low light use his squaller and you kind of use his technique to look around before exactly. everybody else gets involved exactly right and he may not want to squall yeah exactly yep uh, going on to section C split trees uh, A where dogs split up judge will go with handler to the dog that trees first. Yep. So we're talking about split trees here and what we talked about a minute ago, you know, but if we're going to go to that first dog first, that's where the judge needs to go. Yep. If a split tree is obvious, which is the judge's decision, split tree will be assigned. Yeah. I like that one because it says uh, in parentheses is where it says judge's decision. And what that's referring to is who it needs to be obvious to. Mm -hmm. It needs to be obvious. If it's obvious to the judge, if I'm judging, if it's obvious to me that a dog is split, uh, then I'll put him on the scorecard as split. It doesn't matter what you think. Yeah. If it's if you think it's obvious, or if the next Todd Kellum thinks it's obvious, or it doesn't matter. It's what I think if, whether it's obvious or yeah. not. And then uh, the other thing I I think it's a good rule for me as the judge because there are situations where I'm thinking they could easily. It sounds like they're split. They're in there a little ways, and it sounds to me like they're split, but maybe they're not. Sounds like they might be, but the word used here for me is obvious. Yeah. That kind of that kind of makes it easy for me. If it's not obvious, then I'm not going to put them down a split until it becomes obvious. Yeah. And that may be that may not be until I get a lot closer. Yep. Or maybe even till I walk in and see, oh, we got one here and we've got one over here. I agree. Totally. Makes yep. it I think that makes it easy. Let's see, uh, separate time must be kept on each tree unless all dogs are declared treed. Uh, we talked about that one a little bit earlier. We did. We covered it. Yep. Yep. 
Uh, next sentence says, Judge shall give handler permission to handle dog on split tree unless cast is in process of shining tree. Kind of a two-part uh, thing here to discuss, I think, because this is a pretty, uh, this is one that you hear a lot about. I think first, the first, the easy one is giving a handler permission unless you're shining a tree. Uh, as long as shine time's not in, a judge may give uh, the handler the option to go handle a tree yeah. or handle their dog on the tree. But if shine time's in, got to wait till the shine time's out. Got to okay. wait. And let's make sure we cover that one because don't get caught with uh, somebody trying to use that rule on yep. you. Um, you know, if you have, if you're here shining a tree and, and my dog gets treed right over here, or let's say, yeah, my dog gets treed right over here, 20 yards yep. away or 10 yards away. And I can just easily walk over there and handle my dog. Rules do not allow you to do that, you know, and don't let somebody kind of let the judge or the judge shouldn't allow somebody to kind of let him walk into it. And then somebody raise their hands and say, Hey, he's scratch, you know, rule violation. That's right. You know, so be, uh, you know. If, the, if that question comes into the master hounds and it doesn't matter why, who, what, when, or why, you know, if somebody handled a dog on a split tree while the cast was in process of shining a tree, he has no, his hands are bound by the same rule. That's the doesn't, rule. Nothing else matters. So it's a, it doesn't matter how close the dog is. All that doesn't matter. That's right. Uh, and, but there's yeah. there's an uh but the next part is though yeah, yeah we get the into second, the second the second second part of this sentence that's kind of pertinent and discussed a lot I think is sending handlers to handle their dog forget about shine time sending handlers to handle their dog on split trees yeah obviously it's permissible uh, the judge gives uh, an option but I have a note here be reasonable mm -hmm. and I think we both agree on that if your dog's a mile through the country and you, you obviously you got to go handle your dog come all the way back to score this next tree you're eating up. 45 minutes, an hour of this cast, you, you're ruining the cast there. You're not being reasonable. Yeah. I think the other thing I think is is uh, worthy to note here that we need to think about most of these rules, and this is one, were written decades ago. Right. And when we're talking decades, decades ago, dogs didn't split up. They treed together. So this actually hasn't changed, uh, you know, to kind of uh, maybe fit some of the dogs that we're hunting today where we do have more splits than we did back in the day, you know. But so if you have a dog that's, you know, a mile away, no way. That would be unreasonable for me to allow you to go handle your dog that is a mile away because the thing is the intent of it, we need you back here to score this first tree with that's us. That's exactly right. You know, so somewhere in between there, that's where you should, uh, uh, the judge should uh, kind of make the decision whether or not uh, – he should allow somebody to go handle a dog on a split right. tree. And, and handlers should be aware of that and, yeah. and note that. It's know, a two-way so. street. Both, it is. Both Absolutely. sides have to be reasonable and exactly use common right. sense as, exactly right. as usual. And if you look at the next sentence there, after the split dog is handled, handler shall return to cast. There you go. That's yep. if you're work, yep. if you're walking two miles in an hour cast, you just you ruined yep. the cast there. Yep. So. Yep. Uh, and to finish this one off is, uh, let's see, if all dogs are declared treed and handled and cast needs to move to new location after scoring all trees, Trees may be scored in most convenient order. Otherwise, trees must be scored in the order dogs were declared treed. Yep. Refer to Rule 70 and 11D if applicable. Yep. And then as 7E says, after scoring dog or dogs on a tree and all remaining dogs are either on leash or declared treed and cast decides to move to a new location after all trees are scored, timeout may be called walking to remaining trees with scored dogs on leash. Hunt time shall be back in during shining time of each tree, obviously. Uh, and then the last sentence states, if dog leaves tree, time shall be called back in and dogs on lease recast again. Yeah. So um, 
So when we're talking about this one, this is talking about scoring dogs in the most convenient order. It sounds great. We got dog A here. He treed first. He's right here. Dog B trees uh, 800 yards of the country. And then dog C trees here 20 yards from us. You know, you want to score that dog and keep the dog on the leash. But you're wasting valuable time for dog B that treed before dog C did. You need to get in there and get him scored so he has the option to cut loose if he wants to. Mm-hmm. Uh, if, if you don't do that correctly, you can get in a bind in a yeah. quick fast and in a hurry. So. Yeah. Uh, the only way that you're going to be able to score them in the most convenient order in this case is to get all three, all the dogs in the cast handled that are declared traded on the leash, and then you can score the dogs in the most yeah, convenient order. Yeah, and that's order. why you can then also call timeout when you're moving from tree to tree yep. because not to take away from the dogs that treed first that now don't have the opportunity to be recast first again. Yep, that's correct. And uh, we'll get into a little bit of the uh, very last section here, which you uh, mentioned is uh, newer to the rule book, and that's the recasting section. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to start out with uh, the first sentence there. After being scored, dogs shall not be released until another dog struck in on track or on tree opens. Yep. If no other dog is declared struck, scoring dog may be released immediately after scoring the tree. Yep, and I think that's pretty straightforward what that means. After you come out of a, do- a scoring dog or a scoring situation, let's say we have dog A that we just scored its tree by itself. The other threes are still out on track running somewhere. Uh, dog A, I cannot release that dog until another dog that is struck in opens up. I can take him away from the tree, walk away, and I have to stand there and wait until that dog opens up before I can recast dog A again. Yeah. Um, and it, okay. And another one you, you may have, if there's a dog on tree, obviously that or a dog tree, that probably is not going to take very long, but you must first wait to open that dog before another dog actually barks. Yep, that's right. Got to break the eight or the two, whether the dog's on track or tree in that yep. scenario to be able to release this dog. That you and then the last part of it is very simple. If no other dogs are declared struck, you can just go flip them loose whenever you want to right away. That's right. Uh, next sentence kind of ties into it. Uh, however, if, in, if another dog in cast is declared treed, the handler has the option to recast or keep scored dog on leash. Handlers opting to keep dog on leash may not recast dog until next opportunity arises. Uh, and it defines the next opportunity arising as next tree is scored or a dog that's declared tree leaves his tree. Yeah, that's the, that's the what we call the option to recast rule. So um, if we have dog A again, I'll call it my dog. Or, and, uh, and let's say your dog, dog B, is also declared treed somewhere. As soon as we score my dog, I have the option either to recast it or... I can hang on to it. Yep. Those, that's my option. If there's another dog declared treat is the important thing to exactly. mention. Exactly. And if there's no dog declared treat, I don't have I don't have that option. I have to turn loose. Yeah. It's only if another dog is declared treat when I'm ready to turn loose. Then that's when my option uh, is uh, available to me. Yeah. I actually fielded a call here just it was just two or three days ago actually this week um, about a guy who who was on a cast where the this guy took a two uh, took a two coon lead. It's forty minutes left in the cast. No dogs were treated in when he pulls his dog off the off the tree, and yeah. he he says he's using our new option for leash lock to keep his dog on the leash for the remainder of the hunt. Um, so, so for forty minutes, this guy led his dog around, and <laughs> yeah. I told him uh, he may have been uh, taking advantage of some people who didn't know it. Uh, yeah the rules particularly well in that yeah. instance but that's you only have an option to keep your dog on the leash if another dog is declared treat that's right you got to hold people accountable to this 
don't let them flip flop the verbiage of the rules and all that all that sort of stuff. Be sure you're well read on it and, yeah. and keep them in line on yeah. that because yeah. people are going to try to get away with what they can get yeah. away with. You know, there's a, another thing that comes to mind here. Let's change the scenario slightly. Let's make dogs A and B, both you and I, mm-hmm. our dogs uh, both on the same tree. We score both of them. And let's say we have dog C is also declared treed. Now you and I both have the option. Uh, I may opt to hang on to my dog, walk the dog to dog C to score it, but you you have that. You may want to turn yours loose, and that's perfectly fine. Yep. You don't both have to do the same thing. That's exactly right. Uh, moving on to the next sentences, which we've kind of hashed a little bit in the in the prior section, it says if all remaining dogs in cast are declared treed and cast decides they need to move to a new location after all dogs are scored, all scored dogs shall remain on leash and timeout shall be called while walking to split trees. Hunt time shall be called back in during uh, shine time only. Otherwise, scored dog may be re- recast even if all remaining dogs are declared treed. Yeah, I think we kind of covered that. I think we've that. covered yeah, that. Yeah, right. Uh, next sentence. Once a position has been scored, it becomes available again. Yep. So we talked about scoring dog A. If I cut dog A loose again, he, let's say he had he was holding 100 strike. All the other dogs are declared struck. Um, uh, so all the positions are taking the best that it, when my dog opens up again, all I have is 25 there. You know, so whatever, whatever is available, you know, let's say, let's say you had a, um, let's say just one other dog is, is open, you know, is holding 75 strike, 50 would be available. So yeah, pretty simple. Yeah. Uh, next sentence, a dog declared struck after the recast received the next available strike position. A dog cannot be struck in over a position that is being held, except when a dog holds his strike position for one hour. In that cat, in that case, all strike positions will be open to other dogs. Yeah, the first part of that we kind of covered there. The the last part of it, when a dog holds his strike position for one hour, only then can a dog uh, strike in above that dog there. So let's say dog A is out there, uh, is holding the strike, and it doesn't matter what position really. You know, you can't uh, uh, strike in for that position or over it unless that dog is holding that same position for an hour. So sometimes, you know, it's a little tough for judges sometimes to keep that in there. You have that note, keep that box up there. And it's a good idea to kind of note some times when dogs are struck in and things like that for that purpose. Because if, if a dog held a hold strike position for a whole hour, then that position does become available and go in over top of it. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. Um, it's always a good idea. It's mm-hmm. usually the dog that's going to strike first at the beginning of the cast. Oh, a good idea to maybe notate what time those dogs yep, are going to yep, strike yep. in. And then F is another good one to know here. Yeah. The strike position previously held by dogs on leash is not available until dog is recast. Um, that's uh, pretty straightforward. Until I pull my dog off a tree and cast him, then say I strike in for 100, we're scoring my tree, the other dogs in the cast aren't struck in, I pull him off the scoring situation, I'm about to cut him loose, you strike in before I cut him loose, I get you're 75, going in for 75. 75. I have to have this dog off the leash and competing before yep. you can go in for 100. 100 is not going to be available before until after you've turned your dog loose. And it's important to notate because I have had this pop up in some hunts before. Is that uh, if I if you if I use my option, say I say uh, I'm going to keep my dog on leash, your dog's declared treed, uh, then that means I'm forfeiting my strike points too, and those become available at that time. That's right. Yeah. And uh, the last po- last sentence of that section: uh, multiple dogs may occupy fourth strike position. Just saying, yep. the quarter is open. Once everything else is gone, quarter's lowest you can get. That's what you're going to get. Yep. Exactly. We'll be right back. If you're trying to contact UKC, don't wait on hold. Use the online chat feature on ukcdogs.com.
yeah, so rule 11, it's a kind of an in-depth rule. There's a lot there, uh, but I think it's a good one to kind of go over a few times, rehash it a few times, maybe highlight some important things or underline them, and, and you can always refer to them at a later date. Yeah, and I think it's really one. If you just go grab the rule book and read it word for word, each one of those, a lot of it's pretty self-explanatory, really. Yeah. Yeah, so we were we we're kind of getting low on time here. Uh, we have one more short topic I think we can fit in real quick, and it's as simple as it can be in a coon hunt. What coons can be scored and what coons can't. Obviously, we've a dead both. one can. I know <laughs> <laughs> we get that sometimes. Yeah, we get some pretty uh, funny instances, and yeah. we'll probably there's probably some out there that aren't even going to be well, included today. Well, the rule today. book doesn't say that. Uh, <laughs> no, okay. Yeah, I think if the rule book was as big as some people want, it would be as big as the Bible. Exactly, so and gotta, bigger. Yeah. yeah. So uh, let's let's kind of get into it a little bit. Uh, like you said, just recently had an email come in that a cast scored a dead coon in a in a night hunt, and they were uh, kind of alluding to the fact that it doesn't say in our rule book that the coons have to be alive whenever you score them. Um, and kind of going back through some old advisor columns, which we do when stuff's not in the rule book. Obviously, the advisor column it's right there on the first page. Yeah. Advisor column is extension of the rule books. This is one that's been covered a lot in the past 20, 25 years. And I think I have since I've been here, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Came up with that live traps and some things like that. And so I'm, I'm, I'm sure I have. Yeah. yeah. Actually, I pulled up some advisor column uh, from 2017 and 2014. You know they're out there. Uh, refer to them. Uh, we have all that stuff readily available for people mm -hmm. to look through mm -hmm. and kind of use common sense when you're out there in the woods. Yeah. Um, let's see. So, uh we're not sure when this, this actually used to be in the rule book is what it said in, in the advisor columns it used to be in the first one that you had to, uh, uh, the hounds must be free cast in search of wild game. Mm -hmm. At some point it was removed, uh, possibly just because of the kind of it's a given. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I would hope so. You know, when you say, uh, we're talking about dead coons here, we're, we're talking about coons that were dead, that the dogs didn't track up and possibly catch, you know, yeah. obviously we have a rule for, uh, for ones that they catch and, Unfortunately, that is something I guess that happens every now and then, you know, but uh, that's different than you can't just uh, go score on a, on a, yeah. Hunt that spot the night before, yeah. maybe dispatch yeah. a coon and hang yeah. it up on a yeah, limb. Yeah. 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 And I think that was the situation that happened here. Yeah. So probably a low hanging coon that uh, was pretty. Uh, hey, quick little story right here yeah. about a dead coon here. So one night I'm in a three dog cast, two, two guys I know real well, they'll know exactly if they listen to this, they'll know the situation I'm talking about. We were neck and neck. And uh, going down to right down towards the end of the hunt, we get on this track. All three dogs are running this track, and they're smoking it. Take it down in there, and I get the first tree on it. And I got to have a tree and, and, a, and a coon uh, to, to win this cast. And the one female is in the cast. She is uh, she, Actually, she had a little bit of a lead on me at this time. Get there, and none of the other dogs are trained. Just mine. That's yeah. it. None of And I'm the only one. Five minutes is up. We go in there. And the other two dogs are there on a dead coon, gnawing on a dead coon that somebody was during season. Somebody must have harvested and left it laying there. And, you know, so they're gnawing on this dead one. And I'm, it was like, wow, are you kidding me? The things that happen in night hunts. Yeah, you never you know, know what like, you're going to oh, come God, across. That was something. easier than it was going to be. <laughs> I'll never forget that. Yeah, that, that's funny there. Um uh, basically the, the rule book pertains to there's just a few points where a coon can be plus because there's not that many scenarios that can happen for a coon to be plus in a hunt. Uh, obviously, if you refer to rule three, it'll tell you all about plus points. Um, but the first thing, when dogs strike and tree a coon and it's seen in uh, you find the coon during shine time in a tree. Yep. Straightforward. Mm -hmm. uh, second point where a dog can be uh, plus for a coon is whenever it's declared struck 
and or treat and that the dogs you find the coon in a, a place other than a tree we're talking about a hole oh. a brush pile maybe there's some different scenarios yep. there that maybe a tile drain or something yep. like that or like we talked about dog catches a coon on the ground yep. and that's actually the last the point three under there is if a dog catches a coon on the ground mm-hmm. uh, all straightforward things Here's some examples of times when you cannot plus a coon up or, you know, uh, accrue plus points on a scorecard from. Coon in a trap. Yep. Coon in Mention a live trap. Yep. Yep. Uh, a cooning. You can't hunt a coon enclosure in a coon pen. Right. That's right. Makes sense. I got to be a uh, free cast. Uh, coons in a cage, uh, whether it be in someone's barn or farm, maybe they're using them for different purposes. I know you've probably seen that before, but yeah, uh, that that's not uh, one that you can have plus points on. I have. I, yeah, I've, I've seen that. I've, yeah. uh, you know, and you'll hear of all kinds of different scenarios, you know? Yeah. I know you can't turn loose in a puppy pen that has a coon out there in the middle of the, in, in the middle of, in a, in a cage, you know, yeah. uh, doesn't work. Yeah. Uh, can't score plus points on dead coons hanging in trees. Uh, pretty nope. straightforward or, you know, unless it's been freshly killed by the dogs caught on the ground there. Um, and, uh, obviously you can't, score on coons that you've cut loose for your dogs in front of the cast. I don't yeah. know if people have done that, but it yeah. was uh, referred to in the article. So I'm sure it's happened before. Yeah. And can't walk along there and spot a coon sitting over there. Hey guys, we got one over here and take the dogs over there and lead them up to the tree and let them <laughs> tree. And, no, that doesn't yeah. work either. Yeah. So that's, that's actually what your article from 2017 was talking about. Somebody did that in a night hunt, I guess, trying to rack up some points. But yeah, I guess the main thing to mention is to, to use your common sense out there and, uh, 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 the rules are pretty straightforward on on how you can uh, score plus points with a coon, and just just read your rule book and use some common sense. Yeah, you, you know, woods. going back to the trap, there could obviously be some situations where it, it's legit. You know, it's obviously out in the wild, da 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 da. da but that it, have, allowing that will just open a can of worms that is no good. Yeah. Uh, more cons than than the the pros, uh, and guys planting coons in in traps out there. So that's the reason. If they tree in a trap, on a trap doesn't matter dead or alive it doesn't matter you can't score those so if some of you guys had uh had plans for that for autumn oaks for running up a big score sorry we <laughs> we kind of ruined your, yeah, your plans yeah, there yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah well we sure appreciate you listening hopefully, hopefully you guys enjoyed this kind of rules-based uh podcast you know we've talked a lot about uh, different ukc programs and uh and specific dogs the past a few coonhound episodes so i thought it was good to go and talk about the rules because we really want to put a big emphasis on that with this podcast Thanks for listening to the UKC Hunting Ops Podcast. Be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and to like and follow UKC Hunting Ops on Facebook and Instagram.